1: When you saw the photograph of the top-secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself, looking at that image? How that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible.
0: Classified material next to your Corvette.
1: What were you thinking? Let me. Uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people. And by the way, my Corvette's in a lock garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street.
2: Uh, the comedy just writes itself. I don't even have to work at it. I've had some, uh, some laugh out loud moments in preparing programs over the years. I think of Josh Hawley when that was the big bombshell. He's running from the January 6th protesters and then you see the footage and he's just kind of taking a little stroll. Or the clavicle story. And here he is now having to explain the class after, after lecturing the country about how serious this is. How could Donald Trump steal the dinner menus and the cocktail napkins? How could that ever, how could he be so irresponsible? And then this guy, he's got classified documents all over the world, I guess. As I say, you you can't make this up. I mean, the comedy, it's comedy gold on the Trumpet Daily here on this good Thursday morning. You're listening to Stephen Flurry and this is The Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on our growing audience or with our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through the website, our very own, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live and you can watch the show live every weekday morning here in the central time zone of the United States at 11 AM And, of course, you can get the program on demand at the website or uh, download it to your device as well. So you just contrast this with the rate. Forty FBI agents, give or take, they're, they're armed. I mean, they're coming in with guns. They're on the property nine, 10 hours. What a precedent Merrick Garland set back in early August. And they, they got, they've got to get the cocktail napkins, the dinner menus. There's a few maps in there. Maybe Donald Trump's daytimer as president. All of that's top secret. And so they raided Donald Trump's house for that. And the Washington Post admits later that really the documents, after saying they were nuclear secrets, after all the talking heads said, this is serious, he's going to prison, they wouldn't have raided his house otherwise. And then the Post has to admit later That, well, if anything, the documents reveal that Donald Trump has an ego, but uh, really not much more than that. But now with the fake president, yesterday we learned that there's not just the one batch at the University of Pennsylvania, at the Biden Center, funded by the communist Chinese. Now there's a second batch. And it's in the garage at the Biden home, In Wilmington, Delaware. So there he has these secretive documents, these classified documents, right next to the Corvette. And I'm sure it's electric, but we'll leave that aside and investigate it later. Right next to the Corvette and and some classified documents at a room inside the house as well. And we're just, we're getting all of this very helpful, very cooperative information from Biden's attorneys just after the Republicans gain The House, the majority in the House and all the talking heads rushing to the microphone to say, hey, the the reason this is so different than the Trump raid is because Biden's people are cooperating. Oh, really? So these documents just floating around two stops in the case of the Biden Center. It goes out of the White House, some other location, then into the Biden Center Six months later, and they're there for six years, and they pertain to Ukraine, among other other things. Ukraine, of all places. These are not cocktail napkins we're talking about. These are not dinner menus. These are documents, top secret documents, in the case of the, the Biden Center, that pertain to Ukraine. And then you just connect the dots as we tried to do yesterday what what are we going to find out tomorrow and all of these breaking stories nbc you've got cnn you've you've got cbs earlier this week what will we find out tomorrow that he left a batch of secret documents behind his his booth at his favorite ice cream store it's unbelievable and to see as i said yesterday there's more to this story than just the lawyers in good faith saying, we've got to come forward and uh, yeah we just want to be above board. Hey, we're totally cooperating with Merrick Garland's DOJ. Well, Garland is in a difficult position right now because of the precedent that he set. It's all coming back on him. It's, it's like I was just t- telling Sam before the show. Pelosi, she, she creates this January 6th committee, the sham of a kangaroo court. And then she says, "No, these Republicans are not going to be on that committee." She was the queen of the house, so you don't question her. She had total authority. Well, now the Republicans are in charge, and you've got McCarthy, who's just kicking Democrats off committees. And the the, the Republicans warned Queen Pelosi, "You do this. This is a dangerous precedent. It's never been done. But if you start doing this, what about when the majority shifts? What about what about when we're in charge?" Now these radicals, are getting a taste of their own medicine. Here they were going on and on. You heard Scott Pelley. This is so serious. What did you think when you saw the photograph? The photograph was staged. Everything was for the camera. They, went, they rifled through all of Trump's belongings, including Melania's closet, looking for secret documents, pretending now. See, they've revised the story to say that Trump wasn't cooperating. He had been cooperating for months. They were making routine visits to Mar-a-Lago to make sure that whatever documents he had were secure. Put a padlock on this storage device. Oh, Trump's people, okay, we'll go ahead and do that. And then this, seriously? Like I said, you can't make this up. I mean, it's the comedy, the comedy script writing itself. Here's uh, Peter Ducey. You see him there grilling uh, the, the fake president yesterday. All right, Maybe it was earlier today. But here's a little bit more from that same exchange, clip six.
1: As I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored and they finished the review last night they discovered a small number of documents of classified markings in storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my in my, my my personal library this was done in the case of the biden pen and this was done in the case of the biden pen center the department of justice was immediately as was done the department of justice was immediately cl- uh, uh, no, notified and uh, the lawyers arranged for the department of justice to take possession of the document.
2: Right. They were immediately notified after six years of holding on to these documents. Imagine a a thief just helping himself to all of these documents. Now, now listen, I I agree with uh, Glenn Greenwald, who says that there's all kinds of of files and documents in D.C. and the deep state that have classified or top secret markings that should be made public. But again, we're just going by the standard that was set in August. If, a, if it violates the Presidential Records Act, you raid Mar-a-Lago. No problem. There haven't been any raids on Biden's properties. And he's got a lot of them, by the way. He's traveled the world. Like I said, what, what, what's going to be revealed tomorrow? But imagine just, you know, even with what we're getting, as explosive as it is this week, you see Obama basically throwing Biden under the bus. But even what with what we're getting, you still, there, there's just so much more. As I said yesterday, this is the tip of the iceberg. What about when we get into the actual documents themselves? And the fact that he had them in his garage, at the University of Pennsylvania, just all over the place. And he had them for six years? And now he's telling us, hey, you got everything. We've got everything. We're, we're just giving it to the DOJ or to the National Archive, where, wherever it needs to go. But you should know that we, uh, we've been cooperating. We've been cooperating. This is from Newsweek. They're trying, Newsweek's trying to figure out if this is a crime in any way. It says here, it's a crime to take classified documents, they quote some, some expert, President Biden may have violated the Presidential Records Act, Espionage Act, and other federal laws. However... While the Espionage Act criminalizes the act of gathering, transmitting, or losing national defense information, the DOJ only prosecutes, quote, when an aggravating factor is present. There's got to be some kind of an aggravating factor. Well, in the case of Trump, he aggravates them. So there's, pl- there's proof enough right there, right? Right. Further on, it says the key, this is Newsweek, the key is whether Biden knowingly and intentionally kept them. So so their defense, you see it already. Well, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He had no idea. He was ignorant. He was stupid. He was senile, whatever it was. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know those documents next to his Corvette in the garage at Wilmington. He didn't know they were classified. So he gets a pass. It's like Joe Behar, Joy Behar said yesterday in that clip we played. Look, we know he's a decent and honest man, so we get, we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. None of that for Trump. No, no. Trump goes to prison. Newsweek says, even Eisen said that thus far, there hasn't been any indication that Biden held onto the documents on purpose. What? Thus far, there's no indication? So, so we know we know it's like Fauci looking at the football player that collapses. We know it's not the vaccine. I could tell by the video. This is the way these people think, and yet, as we've been pointing out, they're 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 being exposed, and it's worse than hypocrisy. It, it's in it's like in every single case. Let's just go in now with whatever the next charge will be. Or claim or or criticism, whatever they're going to aim at, Donald Trump, just know they're doing it themselves. Just know. Just know. It's like that clip we played from Tucker the other day. But let's let's again make a more serious point here. CBS breaks the story on Monday. Biden was hiding these top secret documents at his office, the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Established a few months after, or at least his office, a few months after uh, he left office as vice president in January of 2017. Then CNN tells us, yeah, and these documents they pertain to Ukraine and also Iran and the UK. So far, we don't know a lot about the documents in the garage. The at least it was locked. We can't we can't omit that little detail. It's a locked garage. We don't know much about those documents. Perhaps we will uh, tomorrow. Here's MSNBC breaking the news yesterday. Clip one.
0: Aides to President Biden have apparently discovered another set of classified documents, this time in a different location than the office where the first batch was discovered, according to a person familiar with the matter
2: aides to president biden have been conducting exhaustive search we are told of other
1: locations to make sure they've gathered up all the classified documents that went to the wrong place because if it happened once it could happen again and what we're told is that they have found at least one additional batch of classified documents now that's basically all we know we don't know the extent the nature of the classification on these documents we don't know exactly when they were found And, and and again we don't know whether this was anything more than inadvertent error by whoever was packing the documents as they left the Biden White House. But it's it's significant because it shows that the, the scope of this may be more broad than we first realized.
2: Look at it. Look at how these stories play out, depending upon which side you are on politically. Here, Trump and his people going against uh, the DOJ, a, a hostile DOJ at that and the, the National Archives, NARA, all this, they've got it in for Trump, so they're going to take him. And then the, then the same thing, actually worse, even judging by the mainstream reporting, and you get, get commentary such as that. Listen to the, the talking heads as they try to, as they try to tell you. There, there's a big difference here between what President Trump did and what Joe Biden did. Here's how they explain that clip.
0: I think we, we have to say at the outset, this is not the same as the situation we saw with Donald Trump. It doesn't appear to be either in terms of volume or in terms of the efforts to try to retrieve things. According to the, the White House, or according to people who are briefed on this, the, the Biden folks have made an effort to return material. That's very different than what we saw with Trump. But
3: there are a lot of
0: distinctions between um, the Biden documents and the, the obstruction of justice
2: that
3: Donald Trump engaged in
1: now. That's entirely different from a scenario where you have somebody, obviously, if they're trying to give that to a foreign power, but also if they know that they have this classified information, they know they shouldn't have it. They're taking methods to or or taking steps to hide that from the authorities, trying to obscure the fact that they have it. And that sort of intent and behavior behind this mishandling of classified information is really what's important to understand.
0: There are many, many, as Maggie said, there are many, many differences between former President Trump's situation and this situation with President Biden. The facts are very, very different in terms of the timeline, the volume. Uh, We still have more to learn about the nature of the documents in the Biden situation. And certainly the cooperation piece is completely different as far as what we know. Um, Certainly, uh, former President Trump did not cooperate. And as you said, uh, can be alleged to have obstructed that investigation
2: hmm certainly, certainly, yes. Yes, a big difference. Biden people, they're cooperating, and Trump and his people are not. Notice the, the statement there in the middle of that montage, Peter Strzok, of all people, talking about... How, it's a huge difference because uh, with Trump, I mean, he was trying to give top-secret documents to a foreign power. So, again, remember the rule. If they accuse you of a sin of a crime, just know, just know they're guilty of that very crime they're accusing you of. This is from Fox News. It says, the Biden Center has since uh, found itself in the middle of a firestorm. This is the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, leading to renewed questions on the likes of Chinese donations to the University of Pennsylvania, which houses uh, the think tank. Hunter Biden is also shown to have discussed the center in emails before its launch. It says within weeks of leaving the vice presidency under former President Barack Obama in January 2017, Biden became the Benjamin Franklin presidential practice professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He even mentioned this the other day. Well, after I got out of office, I became a professor at Pennsylvania. He's never given one speech or lecture. I mean, even if he did, who would show up? He's never given one lecture. So it's just this honorary title. And he got paid handsomely, almost a million dollars. So what's he getting paid for? Well, basically just his name, obviously. But there's more to it. Why would the Chinese be just funneling millions of dollars into this center, into the University of Pennsylvania? What are they getting in return? The, the communist... Chinese party, the CCP. It says, within weeks of... Well, I read this. However, discussions about the elder Biden's future involvement with Penn long predated the end of uh, the Obama presidency. It says here, on April 25, 2016... This agency, uh, Craig Gehring, emailed Hunter with confidential notes from our meeting in which Gehring listed apparent plans that were discussed for the vice president upon leaving office. So Hunter's he's the bag man. Remember, he's there working these deals, you know, trying to uh, trying to create wealth for the Biden, uh, the Biden crime family, Biden, Inc., this article says one of those plans included wealth creation with no further explanation. And another included an apparent reference to the Penn Biden Center in D.C. with a possible job opportunity for Hunter. Hunter needed another job. I mean, his dad's leaving office. Uh, the money had dried up from Burisma. So here comes another opportunity for wealth creation. It says the Biden Institute of Foreign Relations at the University of Pennsylvania Gehrig's email read, focus on foreign policy. In addition to the Institute of U of Penn, the school has an existing office in D.C. that will be expanded to house the, a, D, a D.C. office for Vice President Biden. And then in parentheses, and Mike and Hunter and Steve, this is all the email. This is going to Hunter and back and forth. It says it operates like the Clinton Global Initiative without the money raise. So we don't, have to, we don't have to be, even get busy with trying to raise money for this endeavor. It's just going to be a good uh, foundation we can set up. And somehow the money will just come pouring in. It says, Hunter then confirmed Gehring's notes, but emphasized that they needed to be very confidential because they were not yet set in stone. They're not yet set. So just keep this on the down low. Keep this quiet. Keep this confidential says, Joe Biden left the vice presidency in January 2017 and was hired as a professor at Penn less than four weeks after that, where he was paid a total of $776,000 in 2017 and 2018, which was nearly double what full-time Penn professors made during the same time. Double the salary of full-time professors at the University of Pennsylvania. It's a pretty lucrative gig. Well, the Biden crime family, they got quite good at this over the course of his vice presidency, probably even before that. Lots of cash flowing into this family. Lots of jobs for Hunter Biden, even if he had no prior experience. Just hop on the board. Barisma. never show up. Pocket $83,000 per month. But Trump! What about Trump? What about the napkins? What about the uh, the menus? What about the maps, the memos, the daily schedule? The Washington Free Beacon. It reported on. Uh, I don't know if this was actually. It's back in August of 2020. It reported on the University of Pennsylvania receiving a three million dollar donation from a small. Company in Hong Kong, listen to this, it says, the University of Pennsylvania pocketed $3 million last year from a mysterious Hong Kong shell company that is owned by a Shanghai businessman with deep ties to Chinese government officials. Wow, $3 million coming in anonymously from a shell company? And this is happening when? Well, it's after Biden's out of office, I mean, he's still, he's still taking in donations from the communist Chinese. It says the donation from Zhu Zhu, Zhu Quinn, who has no apparent connection to the University of Pennsylvania and was previously embroiled in a Shanghai public corruption scandal, raises questions about the true source of the money. Documents reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon show Zhu Quinn, has close ties to the Communist Chinese Party. So, again, we don't know the dirty details, but we know that the Bidens are getting a lot of money, and and the University of Pennsylvania, too. And then we know that the Communist Chinese are paying the money. What we don't know is what they're getting in return. But keep in mind what, what Peter Strzok said there in that montage that we just played. They accuse Donald Trump of selling state secrets, of just giving documents, classified, top-secret documents, to foreign powers. That's what they accuse. So we'll see, maybe we'll see more of the dirty details a little bit later. The Free Beacon says, Foreign donations to the University of Pennsylvania more than tripled in the two years after the think tank opened... With most of the $61 million coming from China, the Beacon reported in 2021, says Republican lawmakers and foreign policy officials have warned about the Chinese government's influence-buying operations on college campuses while the Department of Justice has been cracking down on Chinese espionage at American universities. Wow. This is uh, from Fox News. At least 10 senior Biden administration officials were hired to their current or former positions after stints at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. See, they're all in on it. They all work at the same foundations. They all work at the Biden Center. Now they're working for the Biden administration. They know how, they know how to organize these, these, these slush funds, trafficking millions and millions of dollars. No wonder there hasn't been any really, really explosive revelations with respect to SBF and the billions of dollars that he stole from just ordinary Americans and others, I suppose, and then donating to all those Democrat groups. This is from just the news. Listen to this. The University of Pennsylvania, the Ivy League institution, which collected tens of millions of dollars from China while paying Joe Biden and hosting his foreign policy think tank, successfully pressured the Biden Justice Department to end an FBI counter-espionage program targeting Beijing's increasing, increasing influence within U.S. academia. We've had articles about this at the Trumpet.com, the, the, the Chinese communist infiltration of the universities here in the United States. And here's a case where the University of Pennsylvania, that's where the Biden Center is. They said to the Justice Department, look, you've got to you've got to tell the FBI to call off the dogs here. Why are you investigating these cases of China uh, and espionage and all those things? It says here, Attorney General Merrick Garland shut down the FBI's so-called China initiative in February 2022. So this is just last year. Shortly after, more than 160 members of the university uh, faculty signed and made public an open letter demanding the program be shuttered on the grounds that it amounted to, wait for it, (laughs) it amounted to racial profiling. That's right. It's racist. It's racist. So stop with the investigation. Look, look. We've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. We know they're good people. It's like Joe Biden. We just know they're good. They're honest. They're sincere. So stop with these FBI investigations. And Merrick Garland says, yep, oh, okay, that, you're right. We'll, we'll call it off. Where are the true reporters? There's a few. Just the news is one of them. Maybe the free beacon from time to time. Raheem Kassam, we pointed out his tweet from yesterday. He talked about how that these classified documents pertaining to Ukraine, the date range for them is between 2013 and 2016. And then yesterday on the show, we talked about that final last-minute trip that Biden took to Ukraine just days before Donald Trump was inaugurated, just days before he left office as vice president. And then who can forget what Joe Biden said in 2018 where he bragged about blackmailing then uh, the then president of Ukraine I played that for you yesterday I guess we can skip past that and just hit one other news item before we go but to reiterate what we said yesterday when CBS CNN and NBC are breaking all of these stories. And again, the talking heads, they're still going to do everything that they can to cover for Biden. But behind the scenes, surely does seem like the the memo from Obama has been distributed in that, look, we got through to the midterms. That's the main thing. There was no massive red wave. We survived. We got to the point where they were all sworn in. Everything's done. Now the Republicans and their committees, they're rolling up their sleeves and they're ready. I mean, they established a committee this week to, to have oversight of these departments, these agencies that have been weaponized. And so, as I said yesterday, it's like the cockroaches scurrying as you flip the lights on in the middle of the night. They know what's coming. And so the lawyers, the aides for Joe Biden, are they're very busy right now sifting through documents in garages and offices and closets and anywhere else that they can find to just show that they're, you know, they're fully cooperating. After all these years, six years, these documents, these classified documents, these top secret documents, whether they should be or not, it doesn't matter. Merrick Garland has set the standard for us. He, he has established the precedent. And that is whether it's, it's very serious and top secret or maybe just a cocktail napkin. We've got to raid the houses of these people. We've got to get those documents back to the National Archives for sure. You can see, again, where this just pretty much blows up any case that they had against Donald Trump. And, of course, they probably won't do much of anything, the DOJ, I mean, to Joe Biden. But what about some of these now-forming committees in the Republican-controlled House? There was a story, I think this was at Gateway the other day, about this lead author of a peer-reviewed research, or uh, I think he wrote um, a peer-reviewed research paper that was published, it says re-examining Pfizer Moderna mRNA vaccine calls for an immediate suspension of these vaccines. He came out initially, thought that this was the way to go. He was in favor of it, but he says that should be reconsidered. And uh, until we can look at this more closely, we should shelve these vaccines. Listen to what he, his name is Dr. Joseph Freeman. He's talking about the, the vaccine's and how that they're inducing sudden cardiac death among some or injuries among others. This is clip eight.
3: I was the lead author of a peer reviewed study that reanalyzed the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines. We found the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of one in 800. At the time of publication, My co-authors and I did not believe our single study warranted the withdrawal of the messenger RNA vaccines from the market. However, since its publication, multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light and this has caused me to reevaluate my position. An article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own observational surveillance data found the messenger RNAs were associated with multiple of the exact same serious adverse events identified in our original study but the FDA had failed to inform the public of these findings. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths.
2: Wow, and good for him for for reevaluating his position. Uh, It'd be nice if he could get a little help from the media, maybe uh, some nicer, it seemed like he was filming that inside of his sauna, but where are the talking heads? He's a reputable guy. He's reevaluating his position. He's got an opinion. It's different from Fauci, but look at this is a, a peer reviewed professional. You would think people would be lying. Even even a local TV station with a decent looking studio. Maybe we should maybe Sam maybe we should get him in here so he can have a nicer background. This is, I mean, this is the way that, in so many cases, this is the way that they have to go to get their message out. You know, turn on the phone and and stand in front of a dull white background, and uh, hopefully someone will pay attention. It really does show what's wrong with our world. It's, It's first, like I was saying in the forum this morning, it's just so easy to, you know, take what someone says. They've got the looks, they've got the fancy set, they've got all the equipment. But they don't have the truth. They don't have substance. Here's Dr. Freeman or Freeman again, clip
3: nine. While many nations that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, more people dying than should be expected from past years. And this correlates in time with the initial vaccine rollout and then with the subsequent booster campaigns. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality.
2: There was this piece and this is at the BBC just a few days ago. Excess deaths in 2022 among the worst in 50 years. 50 years? I mean, we're supposed to be beyond the pandemic. I know the Biden people, they're still trying to milk it for everything that they can. And in some circles, it's never ending. But look, the cases of COVID are down and, and yet excess deaths? Worse? The worst in 50 years. It says here, more than 650,000 deaths were registered in the UK in 2022. 9% more than 2019 This represents one of the largest excess death levels outside the pandemic in 50 years. Though far below peak pandemic levels, it has prompted questions about why more people are still dying than normal. Data indicates pandemic effects on health and NHS pressures are among the leading explanations. Is it COVID? So it's a pretty long article, right? I'll just have to give you the gist of it. There's the cry. Is it COVID? Is there another variation? You know the the newest one with all the letters and the numbers. The crisis in healthcare. They've got uh, nationalized, socialized medicine in the UK. Are there problems there? You you read stories about how long it takes for ambulances to show up, and and of course the lines that are there at hospitals in the UK. Uh, lasting effect of the pandemic. You know, are lockdowns and some of those those problems are they still with us? And then here it is at the end of the article. Here's the the buried lead. I mean, they tell you it's bad. It's really bad. But then it says the rise in cardiac problems has been pointed to to by some online as evidence that COVID vaccines are driving the rise in deaths. But this conclusion is not supported by the data. No, no. Oh, no. It's, uh, It's certainly not the vaccine. Anything but the vaccine. If you've noticed, you're, you're looking at some pretty far out crazy headlines these days of people experiencing or or collapsing, the sudden death syndrome, all those things we've talked about, and the things they're blaming it on. It's just outrageous, you know, crazy, bizarre. Anything but the vaccine, ABV. As long as you don't blame it on the vaccine. Anything else is plausible. It can pass. It says here, one type of COVID vaccine has been linked to a small rise in cases of heart inflammation and scarring, uh, pericarditis, myocarditis. But this particular vaccine side effect was mainly seen in boys and young men, while the excess deaths are higher in older men. So there you go. Case closed. Don't talk about the vaccine, the vaccine is perfect. It's just perfect. Let me play one last clip from Dr. Freeman, clip 10.
3: Together, this information calls into question if the vaccine's benefits are outweighing the harm. I believe, given the information, the messenger RNA vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market until new randomized controlled trials can clearly demonstrate the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the serious harm we now know the vaccines are causing
2: we now know they're causing harm as i say all of these propagandists in the media if they weren't propagandists that is they should be beating down this guy's door saying hey hey, hey come on over let me let, let's let's give you a little help let's uh, let's put you in a nice studio let's expose you to our our large audience let's get this message out I mean, after all, we want the truth. And if the the facts are now coming in and there's enough coming in, it's made a, it's made him change his mind. He says that these vaccines should be shelved until we get more data because already, already we know they're causing a lot of cardiac complications. They're causing heart problems. And as I say, we're kind of monitoring that ourselves, just keeping an ongoing montage going as you see these disturbing headlines. Now it seems like it's every single day. If you haven't subscribed to our magazine, we talk about so many of the same topics that you hear about on this show. At thetrumpet.com, that's our website. The magazine is called The Trumpet. Uh, there's 10 issues that come out from our agency here, or our, uh, our headquarters here in Edmond, Oklahoma. 10 issues per year, free of charge, no cost, no obligation. Just call our operators and request The Trumpet Magazine. The number, toll free, 1 866 930 3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back.
0: The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government journalism academia and beyond are intentionally rapidly destroying what america is in order to make it into something else there is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes there is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out america Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily.
2: We talked the other day just about the importance of, uh, of humility, really humbling ourselves before God and surrendering to His laws. And, and, of course, when you look around the world today and you see how much uh, vanity and, and arrogance and haughtiness there is, and we talked this morning in Principles of Living, by the way, about how God is not just Creator, A lot of people in the world can accept that. But he's also ruler. That's what people won't accept. And together with that, he is educator. He is our chief educator. And of course, if you reject God as ruler, you're going to reject him as your teacher or your master, as they used to call teachers, the schoolmaster. Nicodemus in John 3 said to, to Jesus, look, we know you know, the the my colleagues and I, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Even the scholars of Christ's day acknowledge that he taught Jesus and that he came from God. Would the scholars admit that today? Look at how far removed we are from God and his education. People won't submit to God's rule. And they don't look to the Bible as the instruction manual that it is. They just look to the Bible, if they even are religious or if they even accept the fact that God is creator, they just get a a, a few verses here and there, maybe for an emotional uplift, and that's about the extent of it. But look, this is the the how-to manual. God wants us to not just live, not just to have an existence, he wants us to know how to live. Life is temporary in the flesh, and he wants us to make good use of this short time that we have. How important is it for us to humble ourselves before, before the mighty hand of God? That uh, short Bible study I gave to you the other day, it was two or three days ago, we went through Matthew 5 there at the end, where it says, Blessed are... Well, maybe we could just read that. Jesus really points out there at that sermon, Sermon on the Mount, that if you're meek and humble, God really does bless that. Verse 1, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The Amplified Version labels the poor in spirit as the humble, rating themselves as insignificant. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Verse 4 says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, verse 5 says, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are you if you're meek and humble and submissive. And what an inheritance waits. God says you're going to inherit the earth. There's many examples in Scripture of men and women of faith who really were clothed in meekness and humility. Moses is one of them. Notice this example back in Numbers chapter 14. We'll start in verse 11. It says, And the Eternal said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be ere they uh, believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? I mean, there have been all these spectacular signs and wonders this spectacular display of God's power, and yet the people still, so stubborn, so hard-headed, stiff-necked. Verse 12, it says, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of you a greater nation, it says, and mightier than they. So God was on the verge of wiping out all of the Israelites and just starting over with Moses. And he's talking, he's having this exchange here with Moses. Some would see this as a, as more of an opportunity for Moses. Wow, I mean, you're going to wipe out this nation and then start another one through me, big Moses? And yet that's not the way Moses reacted. Verse 13, And Moses said unto the Eternal, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that you, Lord, are among this people, and you, Lord, are seen face to face, and that uh, your cloud stands over them, and that you go before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you shall kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of you will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he has slain them in the wilderness. And verse 17 says, And now I beseech you, let the power of my Lord be great, according as you have spoken, saying, verse 18, The Lord is long-suffering, or patient, and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means, it says, Clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And Moses says, Pardon, I beseech you, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of your mercy, and as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So Moses had a deep and abiding love for these people, even though they were so often stubborn and stiff necked. They were rebellious, time and time again. And God says, look, I'm so tired of it, I'm ready to start over. I'm ready to start over with you. And Moses didn't want that. He loved the people of Israel. And more than that, he wanted to uphold the standard, the reputation of God. God, the the nations around know that you're in the midst of these people. What will they think and say? If you wipe them out, verse 20, And the Eternal said, I have pardoned according to your word. Look at the way God reacts to a meek and humble individual. God says, all right, I have have responded to your request. I'm not going to do that. God actually changed his mind because of this meekness, because of this humility of Moses, his servant Moses. Just go back a couple of pages to chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 3. Notice what it says here about Moses. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He was very, very meek and lowly in his own eyes, the meekest man on earth. That doesn't mean he was weak. He was meek, though. He was humble. He looked to God and His power. He submitted himself to the mighty hand of God. God empowered Moses. God educated Moses. God ruled Moses. Very different attitude in him when you compare it to the Israelites that he led. Isaiah 66, and verse 2, it says, But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word, to this man will I, God, look. God actually looks to those who will humble themselves, who are of a contrite spirit, who tremble before God's word. I'll just read to you what it says in Hebrews 11. This is verses 24 and 25. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather the... Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, he humbled himself. Now you look through the account, you know, in Exodus, there's quite a lot about it over in Acts 7 as well. He had to learn humility. He was in, I mean, he was second in command in Egypt. Uh, up until the age of forty, this great military commander. And then if you remember the dispute between the Israelites and Moses tried to get in there and fix it, he ended up uh, killing a man, and then it was known, and then Moses fled into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he was out there really learning, among other things, he was learning how to be humble, how to look to God. And then when he came back, he was ready, he was prepared to... Lead the Israelites out of captivity. I guess I have time to read just a few verses from Acts seven. We probably won't be able to get as deep into my notes as I would like, but start in verse twenty of Acts seven. Give some uh, history here. This is in uh, Stephen's sermon, the the disciple of Christ, the uh, the deacon. Verse twenty, it says in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and mighty in words and deeds, it says there. Verse 23, and when he was full, a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. He just assumed, well, they'll know I'm the big leader here. I'm the one that's going to lead them out of captivity. And the Israelites didn't see him as such. Verse uh, 26, it says, And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Will you kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And then Moses fled at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. He went into the land of Midian. He went out into the wilderness, and he was just you know, herding sheep. He was in the middle of nowhere. He had a lot of time to think and to reflect on his upbringing in Egypt, on uh, all of his education in, uh, in this, this prosperous and powerful nation. He had a lot of time for God to humble him. God was behind this sequence of events because he knew Moses needed, and we need it. We need education and teaching and training. We need humbling so that we can follow God's lead, so that we stop kicking and resisting against him. It's, as I say, a quality that you just don't see very much of in the world today. The spirit of haughtiness and vanity, the spirit of pride, it's so strong. And if we're not careful, even we in God's family, it can rub off on us if we're not careful. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God the scriptures say. It's not easy, but it's certainly necessary. That's all that we have time for on today's show, unfortunately, the fastest moving hour in broadcasting. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you want to email the show, you can send us a note at Td@thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.